early success or early failure in a role is the best indicator of overall success or overall failure so how you play the game especially at the beginning is very critical initially it is not about how much you know no one cares how much you know till they realize how much you care if you don't focus on developing those relationships if you don't focus on putting in place the fact that you can get culturally assimilated a uh, resistance will start to build up and you will be alienated uh, you will never become one of them this is episode number 125 of the inspiring talk with sawan kapoor welcome guys to the inspiring talk my name is bijay gautam i'm your host for this show Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. This episode is for you if you are a working professional. You will get to learn a ton about career traps to avoid, developing the long-term growth mindset. how to take power in your hand when you are searching for a job how to negotiate salary and ask for a raise and a lot i was introduced to savan kapoor by another guest of the show siddharth rasekhar and when i got on a call with savan to understand the work that he does i knew i needed to get him to share his insight with you on this podcast he has worked with multi million companies in the usa across leadership position before moving to india in 2015 he is the founder of true north a career coaching company savan has helped thousands of people accelerate their career success with his programs and teachings there's a lot for you to learn and implement from this episode and if you are listening to this podcast on spotify make sure that you rate the show it will help more listeners discover the podcast now enjoy the conversation Welcome back inside yet another episode of the inspiring talk I'm so excited to have with me here Savan Kapoor the career guy Savan thank you so much for joining me It's pleasure lovely to be here thank you for having me You know Savan I have been following your work for a while and I have heard a lot of good things about you and the lives that you have impacted with you know the systems that you teach to people about career and a lot of people who listen to this podcast are people who are in their job people who are looking at you know getting bigger paycheck or get, getting more satisfied with their job and careers and usually normally the conversation that we have here on this podcast is around entrepreneurship and this is a bit different from that sense because there are so many people who are not looking at becoming an entrepreneur and honestly that's not everybody need to become an entrepreneur right if you are happy with your job so yeah i mean that's that's also the reason that why i'm very excited for this conversation because this is the first time that we're going to have the conversation that revolves around career well every entrepreneur requires A players and great employees, so I'm glad to be here. So I want to start this with uh, with this question that a lot of people usually have, and uh, you know, when I was starting my career few years back, and a lot of people, when I look back my own journey of joining the large organization, and uh, and then often I ask like, hey, how my life would have been different in you know if I had been to a smaller organization, and this is something that I see a lot of kids in the college. the question that they have is hey i'm going to go to these you know google and facebooks of the world uh, instead of you know joining the startups or maybe joining a smaller company so what is your thought on that for the people who 
Uh, and what is your suggestion on the whole conversation around large organization versus small startups? If you look at the system, the way the, the system today promotes itself, colleges and universities are brands. And all of them have, uh, you know, a recruitment center, a campus placement services. And they're all advertising the strength of their campus placement centers because, you know, they want students to know that your education is not going to go to waste. You know, once you have completed your degree, we have the infrastructure that is required for you to make a leap into the real world. And what they advertise is that all of the big recruiters, you know, like you said, the Googles, the Facebooks, the TCS, the Cognizant, uh, you know, the Reliance, all of the big companies come and recruit on our campus. Now, you know, it's important to understand that while these big brand names certainly have an allure, you know, uh, they certainly have the magnetism to create enrollments and for students to come into universities because these are the employers that recruit at that university. Uh, these jobs largely, especially at entry level, are going to be very structured jobs. You know, you're solving fairly common problems. And you're coming in nine to five and that's your work day and you're working on a particular aspect. And there is value in that. There is learning in that. But when you join a smaller company, may not necessarily be a startup. When you join a smaller company or a mid-sized company, you know, you are uh, in a smaller pond and there is lesser infrastructure associated with a smaller pond. So the real hands-on work that you will have to do will be deeper. And the learning, therefore, is also deeper. So my advice to you know, a lot of uh, college students or a lot of freshers who are coming into the workforce would be to look beyond the allure of a big brand name company. Uh, because the kind of learning that you will achieve in a big brand name company will be very different from the kind of learning that you will achieve you know, uh, in, a, in a small to mid-sized company. And then the other thing you need to consider is the stage where the company is at. So startups, as you mentioned a little earlier, present a very different environment from a company that is going through a turnaround, which in turn presents a very different environment for a company that is going through accelerated growth or a company where, you know, realignment is required because, you know, they used to be the market leader, but they are not anymore. At, but yet they are doing well. So, you know, they're doing okay, but they are not leading the market anymore. So it's very difficult to sell them that there is a need to change because things are okay. You know, it's kind of like if a building is on fire, you don't need to convince people to leave the building because they can experience the heat and the smoke and, you know, the impact of, of the fire. But if there is no fire, uh, then it becomes very difficult for uh, you to convince people to, to leave that building, even though, you know, the signs may not be very visible, you know, the walls may be weak. So the point I'm trying to make is that each of these situations requires a very different uh, mindset because the objectives, the challenges, and the opportunities that you will come across will vary given these factors, where the company is in its, uh, in its life cycle or what kind of an environment it is. And uh, added to that, you know, if it's a big branded company or if it's a more of a freewheeling kind of a, a smaller or a medium enterprise. And what I also could get from uh, what you've just shared is the focus on the learning bit. And I see a lot of people who are just starting out in the career and also the because of the way that we have a lot of pressure to start drawing bigger checks, right? So, you know, oh, and, and the whole comparison 
uh, among like, oh, you see so-and-so person draws that a big check as a, you know, and, and the whole Facebooks and Googles and so on and so forth, right? And the way colleges advertise as well, like, we have a student who got like 20 lakhs, 15 lakhs of a yearly package. And uh, and then you have that pressure on you to draw the bigger check. And and at the same time, like, you know, understanding that this is a long game that I'm going to play. And I need to have this mindset of learning and acquiring as many skills. Now, even in the in the short term, like right now, I might be drawing the smaller check. But on the grander scale, everything, you know, will fall on its place. But. If you told me this, Savan, when I was just starting my career, I wouldn't believe you or I wouldn't say that, you know, that's rubbish. What would you say for the young people who are just starting out when it comes to, particularly when it comes to like, you know, having that mindset of bigger picture and developing the learning mindset? Uh, Well, the first thing I would say is that as you correctly alluded to, uh, Vijay, uh, your career is going to be a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint. So fundamentally, one of the things that people need to understand is that Uh, For any full career, there is going to be six stages. There are six stages that are associated with a complete, you know, 30 to 40 year career. And uh, each stage has different traps associated with it, different problems associated with it, different solutions associated with it. For example, if I was to just quickly give you an overview, you know, the first stage that an individual will probably come into uh, is the aspiration stage. Now, this is a stage where you're yet learning about yourself, you're understanding your interests, you're understanding what the world is about, you're understanding, you know, what is it that you want to do, your passions, your mission. Um, And this is a stage characterized by discovery. So this is a stage that would occur when you're probably, you know, in your final year of college and you're starting to think about what it is that you want to do. And if you play the game correctly here, Uh, and can truly uncover what it is that you want to do, then you will enter what is called the promise stage. That's the second stage. The promise stage is a stage where, you know, your bag of experience is relatively light, but your bag of potential is why you are getting hired. It is the promise of your potential that is driving your value. So uh, somebody's taking a chance on you. You know, they're taking a chance on the fact that, hey, this is a person, their resume and their College experience shows that this person takes the initiative, they, they, they work hard to make things possible. So that is what is driving your value. Now, the goal in the promise stage is to keep your eyes open and keep your mouth shut. Right, right. Because, you know, uh, it, it's a stage where you need to learn about how business and work and value is generated. And the more you're mm, speaking, try and the less absorb as much as you can. You are absorbing you're you're giving in that situation so that's you need to be able to see why someone is doing something a particular way or how they work you've gone and joined an organization it is your duty to fit into their mission so that's the second stage and if you play the game correctly there then you will enter the most critical stage of your career which is known as the momentum stage this is the stage where you're truly building your reputation so this is the stage where you know, uh, the best way to characterize it is that if you do good work, if you do solid work, then this is the stage where it will lead to solid opportunity. Uh, you know, there is, a, there is a saying that don't get into the queue which has the least number of people. Get into the busiest queue because that is an indication that something is happening. Work is getting done. So, you know, uh, people, everyone today is looking for that one worker who is three times more productive than the average individual. 
So this is a stage that is characterized by busyness. This is a stage where people learn to take charge of their careers and their responsibilities. You know, you're not waiting for life to open doors for you. You've made a key where you can open the doors that you come up against. You, you, you're building that reputation where not only do you plan it properly, you even execute it, monitor it, develop it in the appropriate manner, which produces results. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're paid for. You've been hired into a role, into a job to produce results. Uh, and the more complicated the result that you can produce, the better your paycheck would, would be. You know, the more complicated the challenges that you can solve, the higher that number would be. The thought here would be that in the momentum stage, you really need to get your act together. Your personal life needs to be in order so that, you know, you can do the deep work that is expected of you. And unfortunately, not everybody will go past this momentum stage. A lot of careers, unfortunately, end in the momentum stage because people are not developed enough to know how to play the game and take it further. The next stage, if you do get the game right in the momentum stage, the next stage will be the harvest stage. And as the word implies, a harvest is, you know, uh, sowing, uh, reaping what you sow. So this is a stage that creates a lot of options. By this stage, your understanding of people and interpersonal interaction is quite developed. Your subject matter expertise or your technical knowledge is also quite developed. And, uh, you know, this is a stage that puts you in a position of power because of who you have become. And uh, you have the opportunity to, you know, become a consultant, to join the boards of organization, to create a private practice, go down the, the, the route of entrepreneurship. You know, so uh, you, you could still continue with your job as well. You could take that further to greater heights. So it's really a stage that is characterized by options. Uh, and if you get the game right in this stage, then you will enter the fifth stage, which is the encore stage. Encore, the word in English means that grand finale, you know, that, that, that final performance. So at the encore stage, all of your skills, your knowledge is polished to a degree where you really get to paint your professional masterpiece. Uh, Sundar Pichai would be a great example of somebody who at a relatively young age is in his encore stage. He's the CEO of Alphabet. He's leading the world's largest technology company. So, you know, that, that's a great uh, representation of somebody who at a very young age has gotten to a point where he's getting to paint his professional masterpiece. And if you get the game right in that stage, you enter the final stage or the sixth stage. And that stage is the legacy stage. You know, what did you stand for? What did your life represent? And another great example here would be Ratan Tata. You know, the amount of love that uh, Ratanji gets on social media and around the country. I mean, if he calls Narendra Modi, you know, the prime minister will, will take the phone call. So, you know, the kind of uh, the values from which that group has come and from where this individual has come are incredibly pure and very powerful. So this is someone who's built a tremendous legacy. You know, recently they've taken over the national carrier Air India and they've spent 18,000 crores doing so. Now, that's a lot of money. Air India had a debt of 60,000 crores of which they've brought, you know, relief to, to the government of nearly 18,000 crores. Will they be able to turn it around? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But their love for the country said that, you know, we're in it for the long run. Added to that was the fact that, you know, this was an airline that took birth under their 
uh, Legionnaire there, uh, JRD. So, you know, uh, it was all of those reasons that allowed Tata to make a move as bold and as significant as the one that they made. So, again, it's an example of somebody who's leaving a very powerful legacy. Now, you cannot skip any of these stages, but you can accelerate your journey through a stage. In fact, you can accelerate it to a level where what takes someone else uh, three years to get done, you will be able to achieve in a year. What takes someone three months to get done, you'll be able to do in a month. Uh, what progress someone can make in a 30-year career, you can make in a 10-year career. So it is really understanding the hacks and the tips and the tricks of the game, the shortcuts available to you in the game, the strategic intent available to you in the game to be able to really make a difference to your career. So starting out, yeah, when you come out of college, nobody is going to give you a big paycheck. You're going to have to earn it. Uh, and the start is always typically fairly humble. Um, see, becoming successful is one part of the game, but staying successful and being able to grow that success is an entirely different ball game. And uh, today, you know, we need to be able to master both of these very different areas because this is not something that is taught in the formal system of education. Uh, you know, the formal system of education is giving us a lot of subject matter expertise but they are not giving us expertise around these soft skills that are so much more essential to life. I mean, I don't want to take away from the value of subjects like geometry and physics and, you know, computer science. But while those things are important, uh, you know, at the end of the day, for that subject matter expertise to be applied, the interaction we need to have is human interaction. And human interaction is run by its own rules. So it's very important to have an understanding and an appreciation of, of those rules uh, so that all of this wonderful uh, you know, subject matter expertise can truly be applied smoothly to the benefit of humanity. Savan, you have been in the leadership role in your own career journey for a while. And, uh, and then also you have worked with so many people in their jobs right, and helped them accelerate their career journey. You know, you have mentioned these different six stages and I know that the rule changes the moment that you move from one stage to another and, you know, what got you from stage one to two will not get you from stage two to three, right? And and I'm sure there are a lot of hacks and things that people need to understand. But if you, when you, you know, study and I'm sure you have done a lot of people who have excelled in their career, right? When you look at, you know, the the career and if you were to derive, let's say, three key traits that you have kind of observed in the people who have been to Encore and to the legacy stage, and this is something that you have to have from the day one, right? From the beginning, you have those inbuilt, some of those threats, which essentially push you from one stage to another. Maybe rule changes, but they're the core of it, right? So you have some threat. You know, that's why we have very few Sundar Pichais in the world, right? So what would those three threats be? You have the potential for those traits to come to life. Yeah. So what would those three be? I, I would say that one of the things that I have noticed, you know, in people who have who have led exceptional careers is the first one that comes to mind is empathy. You know, the ability to feel what someone else is going through, the ability to step into someone else's shoes and look at the situational pressures that uh, may be existing around them. That is one very key uh, trait that must come to life. A, a second one that I see is humility. It's never about them. They are not trying to blow their own trumpet. They are not trying to steal the credit. They are doing it because that's the right thing to do. 
and if they need to empower others to be able to execute on that and they get the credit, then so be it. It's not about the credit. It's about the benefit that executing on that will bring to you know the, the recipients, the people, the tribe that you're trying to serve. Uh, and a third uh, quality that I see is a very intense will. This will is not about making noise. This will is not about shouting from the rooftops and you know really saying how determined you are. It's about your action. Uh, so these would be the three qualities that I see. I mean, in general, I can tell you that people who you know go on to create exceptional careers, um, you know, they have a few things in common. The the if I was to look at it from a perspective of patterns, then there are five patterns, in fact, that come to mind. Uh, the first one would be, you know, finding the right fit. So people who build mm-hmm. great careers, you know, they understand that they have to take decisions with the long term in mind because your career mm-hmm. is a marathon. And they gravitate towards positions and decisions that allow them to use their natural genius, you know, their Mm. core competencies. Um, And they work with people that they like and respect. Mm. And also they have the understanding of what their core competency is, right? So they have this self-awareness. Yes, yes. Or they've taken the right tests to uncover what their core competencies are. But you're right. It's in their awareness what their strengths are. So... That that's one finding the right fit for you because we're all unique individuals. You know, you are different from me, and I'm different from you, and it's the celebration of these differences that makes us who we are. The second pattern there uh, would be, you know, understanding their own value. So people who build great careers understand how value is created in the workplace, and they know how to translate that through their actions into personal work. You have to earn your lunch every single day. There is no free lunches, right? So it's it's all about being relevant, being consistent, and understanding what is the need of the hour, and then in a very um, amicable way, in a in a very getting along way, be able to play that role to help the environment achieve that outcome, help the enterprise achieve that outcome. The third pattern I would say is uh, to practice uh, benevolent leadership. See, you cannot claw your way to the top of a company. You have to be carried there. You know, it's the person that you become that people want to follow. You must want to follow that individual because of the values and the discipline and the results that they have been able to create in their career. So you have to care more about the acceleration of others than your own. That's the only way it works. And leadership is a great buzzword. It is used especially in the coaching industry, I think it is overused. Uh, But true leadership is a very fine balance. You know, it's the ability to uh, lead from the front, to be able to create a vision, uh, to be able to galvanize people, to be able to bring people together, to take them on that journey from the front. See, you can only be a good general. You can appreciate what the soldier of today goes through in the battlefield. If you don't have an appreciation for the bullets, the bombs, the landmines, you know, the, the missiles that, that the soldier has to face, then you are not going to be relevant. You're not going to be able to lead that war. And you can't lead the war sitting in a tent. You know, you, you have to be out there in the front uh, showing your troops and living by example in how that journey needs to be traversed. That, that's the, that's the third, third rule. The fourth problem that people come up against, uh, the fourth pattern that that I would allude to here, is um, 
you know, it's it's something, it's known as the permission paradox. And the problem here is that you cannot get the job without having the experience. And you cannot get the experience without getting the job. So it's like a catch-22. A lot of people aspire to roles that they'd like to have, that they feel they can do really well in. But because they don't have direct exposure to, to those experiences, they don't even qualify to play the game. And this happens a lot, especially you know, around someone's midlife career crisis when they want to change industries, they are bored, or they are you're not being appreciated where they are, or they, are, they feel they are underpaid, uh, or you know, they may be going through a layoff, they are about to be let go, uh, or they feel underemployed. You know, their skills and their talents are not being fully utilized, or you know, they may be overworked, or the politics of the situation may have gotten too much. So, you know, a lot of people at that time will consider a career transition. They'll either either want to change industries or they'll want to change functions. And, you know, because they don't have direct experience in what they want to shift to, uh, you know, they they come up against this limitation. And it's a very difficult limitation to break through if you don't know how. So we use a multitude of strategies in, you know, how to customize that game plan you know, for a working professional in how they are to be able to overcome. And there's a number of different direct or implied strategies versus and some indirect or not implied strategies that they have to use to be able to create that waterfall of support, that cascade of support, so that they can break through this problem. Because if you don't apply those right strategies, then this is uh, a limitation that can even bring the very best to their reach. Uh, so understanding how to break past this area is very critical, you know, as you go through, especially that mid-career portion. Uh, and the last one I would say is uh, the last pattern here, uh, you know, for people who build great careers is that they understand the 2080 rule. So there's going to be 20% of what you do that is going to create 80% of the value. Everything else can be delegated. It can be outsourced. It can be uh, you know, a service that you take on from an external third-party vendor, whatever the case may be. But there's a core 20% that you need to do. And if you lead a team, you need to design that core 20% across your entire team as well. So that everybody is pulling in the same direction. Um, you know, and there is a strategic roadmap in how the objective or the goal will be met. There has to be clarity around that goal. There have to be the right executional disciplines the right resources need to be allocated to the for the achievement of that role but with all of that said you know i mean the core of it remains that you need to understand what is it that only you can do in that situation and that is what should be your 20% so these would be the five things that i would say uh, you know that really stand out when it comes to uh, looking at uh, students that i've had that have gone on to build exceptional careers that's amazing so uh, also you know earlier you mentioned about some of the career traps that you know, kind of people encounter and what are the career traps that people should kind of watch out for? Maybe you can highlight some of those for the people who are, you know, in the different level of their career. And maybe some of them might not be even aware that they are already in it. So maybe let's try and uncover some of those so that, you know, uh, so that people can understand the traps and how to avoid them. Um, well, as I said, I mean, I think starting out, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they are going from the aspiration to the promise stage, uh, that's where, you know, they, they really want to prove that they are different, they are unique, and they don't keep their mouth closed. 
you know that's where your ears and your eyes have to be open but your mouth has to be closed because it's a time to really observe and learn and understand how to fit into you know the the mission of the organization you've joined so that's a very common trap that you know i mean you know kind of drawing parallel with the teenagers right where uh, you know once you're teenagers then you start thinking that you are more talented than your parents i mean you know more than not talented but you know more than your parents do and you start you know disrespecting your parents <laughs> maybe that's uh, that's the teenage you know phase of your career that's right that's right i was such a teenager you know i was and and you know that's the beauty of life and the beauty of the system is that it will chop your legs off if you're trying to stand up for the, the wrong reason and there's learning in that too so you know it's sometimes you have to burn your your own hand a little bit to realize that fire is hot and now it would be stupid to keep burning your hand because you should have the capacity to learn from your mistake and you know so that's a very common thing that i see uh and in the in, in the momentum stage i see that a lot of um, working professionals they fail to recognize that what has made you successful in the past is not necessarily what will make you successful going forward we all need to have a very strong relationship with lifelong learning and the reason i say that is because that is the one thing that allows us to reinvent ourselves someone that i personally have looked up to is arnold schwarzenegger you know uh, this guy little kid out of austria had a father who was an alcoholic nobody believed in him he lands up coming across some images of these men with huge muscles and says wow these guys get they they look wonderful and then they go and act in movies you know they go join the film industry and he was very inspired by that as a young 14 year old boy and he starts working out well you know long story short you know a, a few years later he goes on to win you know the the mr universe and the mr olympia title considered one of the finest bodybuilders of all time and i think he still holds the record if i'm not wrong uh, on the number of titles that that have been won at that level um and then he reinvented himself as a movie star despite all of the limitations that you know his accent is not right and he's not handsome enough and he's too huge a guy so you know all of these things were limitations that he did not pay attention to because he had a vision for his life and then he entered politics and went on to become the governor of california so you know this ability to reinvent ourselves is very critical uh, so what has got you here is not what will necessarily take you to the next stage so this is something that has to be kept in mind uh, a lot of people who you know come into positions of responsibility or are are given that opportunity another problem that i see happening is that they try taking on too much too quickly and uh, you know they they want to prove themselves they want to appear busy but at the end of the day you're not getting paid especially the big bucks you're not getting paid because you're you're very busy you're getting paid because you know you know what the right things are to engage with and for you to really know that especially when you start a new role you need to have consumed the right value from an organization because you know when you come into a new position the problem will be that you're yet in the process of learning what that position is about you know what the responsibilities will be so that's another issue that i see and another situation i see is people try to come in with the answer too quickly and again initially if you do not give yourself the time to really understand and feel that evolution of the problem because other people have been living with that issue for a while you know their ability and their perspective on the matter is very different from uh, yours 
it's kind of like a, a, a professional cricketer's ability to read the cricket field to see uh, you know what's going on uh, how they need to change their bowling their batting their fielding patterns is far superior because they've been in that position so many times if i come into a game of cricket with my limited experience i will not be able to outthink them so initially taking some time to really understanding the situation you know pays a lot of dividends later on another problem that i see career professionals a, a trap that they fall into is you know they don't focus on developing the right relationships in the workplace i mean they'll focus on their boss and some will even focus on their subordinates but there are a lot of horizontal relationships that also need to be developed you know and people fail to ignore these they are leaving a lot of opportunities on the table where you know um, understanding how influence works across an organization is going to be very critical uh, and when you have an understanding of these things when you have an understanding of you know how the game is being played then you are in a better position to help others win and thereby win yourself see changing jobs or coming into a new role can be a very stressful time for a working professional in fact it can be the most stressful time because you know everybody's eyes are on you everybody is looking at you they are trying to figure out you know iske aane se mere liye kya change hai you know what's the change for me by this person coming in and you are yet learning the strategy the systems the culture the code of conduct the the norms the behaviors the assumptions in that environment one thing i can tell you early success or early failure in a role is the best indicator of overall success or overall failure so how you play the game especially at the beginning is very critical and the one thing that people don't recognize enough is that initially it is not about how much you know no one cares how much you know till they realize how much you care if you don't focus on developing that those relationships if you don't focus on putting in place the fact that you can get culturally assimilated then you know a resistance will start to build up and you will be alienated uh, you will never become one of them and even if you want to create change in that organization and you have some great ideas you first have to come into the fold and till such time you will not be given the charge to create change and if you try to create change without having earned that right the system won't let you uh, politics will start to happen other problems will come up and people will find a way to get you out so before you buy someone's idea you have to buy into that person so you know that's very critical and 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 that's a area that i see a lot of working professionals not paying attention to sufficient yeah i think those are really powerful points and uh, and and also like you know the influence bit right eventually you are going to be leading teams you are going to be you know needing people to do things you know for the organization and maybe as a leader for you right so and if you are not able to build those relationships then you know as you rightly said nobody is going to listen to you um and you mentioned about the politics and uh, that's one and also the other thing that i want to share here is often people join organization and especially the again the people who are early in their career they kind of join the organization and like when i recall uh, the time when i joined my first job i was this very enthusiastic you know kid just out of college wanting to move the mountains when i was at the office in the morning i would greet with this 
all this excitement saying that, hey, good morning, how are you? And, you know, all of that energy. And you would see these people who have been there for 10, 15, 12, 5, 7 years and, uh, you know, no energy left in them. And so on, I didn't realize in two years I was one of those. I was doing the same, like, you know, all of that energy is gone and work culture, right? So how do you make sure that, you know, um, find that match? Because honestly, for me, I realized like, oh, this is not who I was. Like, you know, all of a sudden, I'm not that energetic person that I used to be, you know, so it doesn't matter what stage of your career that you are in, like, and how important is that for you to ensure that there is a cultural match of what you want and what the organization culture is? And how do you ensure that? I think that's a great point. See, you're, you are going to be the average of the environment and the influences around you at least in your developing years, till you get to an identity that is solid enough to know what influences to accept uh, and what to avoid. So, you know, in your developing years, it is very important that you land up in roles and situations and organizations where the energy only increases. It doesn't decrease. And I think I was very fortunate to see that, you know, right out of college when I joined my first organization, the culture at the organization was phenomenal. And I was with them for about, you know, five and a half, six years. And, you know, throughout this time, it was just amazing. When I joined this company, they were uh, operating in three countries. When I left them, they were operating in 49 countries. So I literally lived on a plane. Uh, you know, I got to see the whole world. It was in the FMCG retail space. And, uh, you know, the opportunity to work in that environment, to work with world-class retailers, world-class suppliers, uh, putting together programs and, you know, putting together uh, private label is the, the industry that I worked in. It, it was just an amazing journey for a young man like myself out of college. And I can tell you that uh, the culture really shaped my DNA. It was a company that was very hands-on. and. A lot of people land up joining companies, like I said earlier, because of the allure of the big brands, but they don't have an understanding of the ground reality of the culture that they are joining. Because there are many organizations and even some large ones that are great at marketing themselves. You know, they have a wonderful website and, you know, the, their presence on the internet is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, they write all of these great uh, articles and, you know, they are involved in so many big projects. But unfortunately, the ground reality of working with them is very different from what it appears to be if you don't go deeper. And uh, that is where I feel that, you know, the, the job search and hiring process is designed in a backwards manner. You know, you, you only get access to this inside information after you accept the offer. So, you know, it's only after you start the job, do you realize that, wow, okay, so this is how it really works on the ground. And by then it could be too late, you know, by then you can feel trapped because you could have joined a company that is not suitable to who you are as an individual. It's like a, a, a bull in a China shop. You are a jackhammer yourself. And I ask you to pretend to, you know, be as elegant and as smooth as a bird flying over the seashore you will have a hard time creating that level of change and the same for the bird you know the same for that seagull that is coasting above the waves if i ask that seagull to behave like a jackhammer again it won't be able to do that so you know this is very essential because where you and the company have an alignment in your value systems you have a much more supportive environment 
But if you don't get that alignment, then, you know, you will keep running into dead end. You will keep putting yourself in a position where the culture is preventing you from playing at your best. There's a certain amount of flexibility we all have. There's a certain amount of change that we all can create. Uh, but, you know, uh, being able to have a much deeper understanding of those cultural realities before you accept the position is essential. Uncovering the culture of an organization requires strategic interaction. It requires being able to create the right context and position yourself appropriately. And the minute you position yourself as a job seeker, you will not be able to get that cultural insight. Because see, as a job seeker, you are going to put your best foot forward because you want to get hired. The company is also going to put its best foot forward because they also want to attract the best talent. So by nature of how you are positioned in the game, you don't have an opportunity to uncover the ground reality. So you have to position yourself differently. And that's one very key part of my whole system so that you can get, you know, it's kind of like uh, in our society, we still have a lot of arranged marriages. So what happens when a boy and a girl are going through an arranged marriage? Both families want to understand the other family much more deeply. You know, if they are giving their daughter or if they are taking someone's daughter into their home, they want to understand, you know, what was this girl's upbringing like or this boy's upbringing like, you know, uh, what are their family values? How are they going to act in times of difficulty? How close knit is the family? And again, Parents who are, you know, getting a child married will look into these factors with all of their maturity and much more depth and insight than a youngster might be able to. So, you know, this is kind of a, a, a analogy that I use to help explain how there are strategies available for you to uncover the ground reality of an organization much more deeply. So you have a much better sense uh, and can take a much more educated decision when it comes to will this be the right organization for you or not? Because if you don't have that, you know, alignment in, in your value system with, with the organization, you are putting yourself in a position where you will not last. Absolutely. So, Savan, a study by Gallup suggests that there are 70% of the workforce in the U.S. is unhappy from, you know, with their job. And, you know, obviously the reasons for that People said that they lack enthusiasm, there's no inspiration, not challenged enough, uh, and also they don't have confidence in the quality of the work that they do, they feel they are not empowered, and so on and so forth, right? So if we, if we zoom out a little bit and see what a human being wants at the end of the day is the happiness, and uh, you know, while people are chasing for the bigger checks, bigger organizations, and all this stuff, the end goal that we all more or less want is to become happy. And 70% of the workforce in, in the US, and I'm sure, you know, the, the similar number, you know, stays true for India as well. What's missing in there and how people as individual employee can make sure or ensure that they become happy. And I think that's how, you know, the larger population, uh, you know, uh, is going to become happy because when every single person takes responsibility of their own happiness, right? So let's forget about, you know, employers should make sure that they do this or do that. Let's take responsibility of our own happiness. Like what needs to happen? Wow, that's a very deep question. Uh, I would say, I mean, to, to set the context for this answer, I would say that, see, in life, the definition of your goals, what you want to achieve, 
must align with the definition of what you consider successful. That is very critical. We all have these seven different areas of our life. We have a financial reality. You know, we live in this modern world and uh, we all have financial obligations in our life. We have an economic engine that needs to work for us to be able to, uh, you know, run our lives. So we have to have a financial goal. Uh, that financial goal is typically based on a career goal. You know, so we will either do some kind of business activity like an entrepreneur does, or we will have a job like an employee has. And, you know, uh, we need to have a career goal in what we aspire to become for the professional aspects of our life. Uh, a third area we all have is we need to have a recreational goal because, you know, it cannot be a 24-7 grind. It cannot just be you can't be chained to your desk. So, you know, you need to be able to rejuvenate yourself. You need to be able to fill your own vessel, if you will. That is very important because if you exhaust your own supply, then you will not be able to, you know, help someone else. It's kind of like, you know, how on an airplane, they say, wear your own oxygen mask first before you put on somebody else's oxygen mask. So, you, 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 like you said, you know, you, you have to take responsibility for your own happiness. And for that, sometimes it's okay to be a little selfish and to take some time for yourself and rejuvenate yourself. So, you need to have some of these goals where you get to unwind and you get to recharge. Uh, we all have this one body that we live in. So, we all have health that we are associated with. You know, that is very critical because nobody wants to be the richest person in the graveyard. So, you know, we have this one body that we live in and we all have to take care of it. Uh, and people want to feel good. They want to look good. They want to be healthier. You know, New Year is coming up. So you're going to see gym memberships spike up again for the first month. You know, health is very important. That's the fourth area. The, the fifth area would be your relationships, your family life, your friends, your relationships. Because you don't want your success in life to be an empty victory. We're social animals. You know, at the end of the day, we have to connect with other people. Uh, we enjoy that connection, that warmth, that exchange of ideas, that exchange of support and love and camaraderie and companionship with others. It's important to pay attention to the relationships that you have in your life. And relationships take active work. You know, may it be a marriage, may it be a father-son relationship, may it be a, a two friends, may it be a sister and a brother. All of these things, you know, they take effort, they take sincerity, they take uh, time, they take the ability to take risks together and then to be able to overcome these risks together. So, uh, you know, this is what strengthens the bonds in a relationship. So you, you want to have some relationship goals where you're paying attention to the different roles that you play in your life from a perspective of the relationships that you have. Uh, and then beyond that, you have your own personal growth. You know, you have your own development. And I always say that, you know, development in any area of your life, that road is paved with personal development. So the road to career development is paved with personal development. The road to financial development is paved with personal development. The road to developing your health is paved with personal development. So it all comes down to your own personal development. And that is where you need to have that relationship, that lifelong relationship with learning, with the ability to reinvent yourself. The last area would be your legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? What 
values did you stand up for in your life? Uh, how will people look back at your life and what are the lessons uh, that they can draw from the time that you spent on the planet? Now, there are people who have left very powerful legacies. And see, at the end of the day, you will win some, you'll lose some. Life is a game. Uh, you're not going to win everything. But if you stay consistent and you keep developing your, yourself and you don't give up, then chances are that you will m win much more than you will lose. You can't let failure define you. Failure can fuel you, but please understand strategically, failure is a very good friend because the system needs to break to come back stronger. And the problem is that people let failure define them. And that is where they stop trying. So you don't lose when you fail. You, you lose when you refuse to get back up. And, you know, as I started this answer, I was telling you and how the definition of these goals needs to line up with your definition of success. So you need to create the outcomes in these seven different areas of your life that will make you feel fulfilled and successful. And then the definition of success needs to line up with your definition of happiness. You do not want to climb the ladder of success only to realize that it was leaning against the wrong wall. So, you know, it, it's very critical that the, there is an alignment between, you know, what goals you have, uh, what you consider successful, the outcomes in those goals that you would consider successful, and eventually your success aligning with what would make you happy. And that is where, you know, you have an obligation to uncover your values, your priorities. Because when you work on your priorities, you don't need external motivation. You know, it's like a child playing video games. The child does not need to be told uh, that go have some fun, play some video games. Those video games are a method for the child to have fun. And that child can be glued to the screen for six, six, eight, eight hours where the parents are saying, you know, now please give yourself a break. Your eyesight will become weak if you keep playing the way you're playing. So motivation is only a symptom, you know, it's feedback that you are not aligned with what is most authentic for you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what I could hear in essence and uh, Savan, incidentally, this is one of the biggest lessons that I have learned in the conversations that I have in this podcast is define your own template for success and for happiness. And what my definition of success and happiness is not your definition of success and happiness, right? Sure, we can explore and try and find those blueprints with which, uh, you know, we resonate with, but not necessarily that should be entirely your, like you can do your own magic in it, like, you know, make the changes as required and define, you know, your own definition because we all have our own journey. And, and, and this is something that I was thinking uh, a couple of days back and let the, you know, I, I'm thinking a lot about this, right? Hey, and also the other thing that I realized, Savan, in this is, and the template or the definition can evolve over the period of time. It's not that, you know, you decide what happiness and success look like for you today when you are 23-year-old kid who just started your first job. And then when you are maybe a 34-year-old, you know, when you are in the momentum stage or maybe, you know, you are in your harvest stage, the definition can evolve over the period of time, but it's your own definition that you have. And also the reason that I, you know, smiled when you, when you were talking about running in the, you know, climbing the ladder to know that it's, uh, you know, it's against the other wall is I have been through the same phase, right? So I was at the job, all set to, you know, 
climb up on the career ladder first year, got the promotion, appreciated for the initiatives that I would take, uh, you know, awarded as the most promising candidate and whatnot. And uh, it all went till one day when I stopped and asked like, hey, you know, it seems that I'm winning this race. Um, it seems that I'm running and winning this race. But hey, was this the race that I even wanted to run? And that was the difficult question to ask. And that's because the answer was no. This is not the race that I wanted to run, right? And, and when you have no as an answer, then it's, you have to take a call, right? Hey, I've invested a lot of my time, energy and effort in getting here. And then now I can't let go of that and you know, say that I'm going to reinvent. And it's a difficult thing for you to say that, okay, I'm going to reinvent, try and you know, start something and be a learner all over again. And have that mindset of learner where I'm like, hey, you know what? I know nothing about this new thing and I'm okay with that. And I want to do that because the race that I'm running is not the one that I wanted to run. Now, If I want to run the different race, then I need to have a different mindset. I need to have a different skill set and I need to be prepared to take those, right? And also what you mentioned about being open to learn and self-development aspect that you mentioned, which, which is really, really powerful. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I... I can tell you a few things here, Vijay, and um, I think the world needs to hear this. They need to be cognizant and they need to recognize these things. Uh, see, uh, the world has made it very okay for us to express our displeasure with if we're doing something and we're not happy with it. Uh, it's much more accepted today and people land up changing and working harder or defining their calling. And that's fine. It's very important. But please understand that growth will also occur on the boundary of support and challenge. And for that, you need to push yourself to understand your limits. How far will you go? Will you give up on, on whatever it is you're doing? Will you give up on uh, your own self and shift just because the world has made it much more okay? Because there, you know, I see that the amount of resilience people carry, especially the younger generation carries today, is somewhat lower than the resilience that their parents or their grandparents carry. See, people who go on to build exceptional lives, they understand that they have to pay the price for their success. So if you want to live in a big house, then please understand one of the prices that you will have to pay for that success is you'll also have a big electricity bill. If you don't want the big electricity bill, don't wish for the big house. And, and I feel that you know people forget this fact because the world has made it so much more okay to move on. The point is that if you're running away from one thing and going into something else, then, you know, life has a funny way of making sure that the lesson that it's trying to teach you will not leave you till you have learned it. And you could stay stuck in that endless loop where you, you feel that you've not identified your calling and that's why you're not successful and you're jumping from thing to thing. And I very quickly in my career came to understand that I must pay the price for my success. That means I must also be good at all of the things about my work that I don't enjoy so that I get to stay in a field and do the activities that I do enjoy. You have to keep pushing yourself because that growth is only occurring on the boundary of support and challenge. So partly, yes, you may not take the right decision to begin with, but there is a certain amount of resilience you need to have to be able to make the decision that you took right. So, Savan, I have one. I'd like to ask one more question here, and uh, you know, before we wrap this up, right now, you know, if you look at the pace with which the world is changing, and uh, you know, the way the way 
things are moving and the entire job market is changing, right? So we don't even know like the kind of roles and the jobs that people are in right now would even exist in five to 10 years from now and maybe even sooner because, you know, it's, it's, it's a massive shift that we are seeing in the world right now, right? And yet we see a lot of people, you know, as you rightly said, not being prepared for what's how the whole whole thing is going to evolve for them and how they are going to fit into the new roles that are going to be there, right? It's not that, you know, we are not going to have jobs. We are still going to have jobs, but not the kind of roles and the jobs and the things that we are doing today. It's going to be a different world, right? So how people can then prepare themselves for the future, maybe like five to 10 years from now, where, where do you see the whole job market headed in the, in the end of the five to 10 years and how people can prepare themselves for the change that's inevitable? See, a few things I would say in general here. Uh, first and foremost, I think uh, it's a beautiful time for our country. It's a beautiful time for India. Uh, I think the next two decades are going to be incredibly bullish for our economy. I mean, if you look at what has happened in the last 10 years where people have been crying about, you know, there, there was an imminent crash coming and they've been talking about this since the Nifty was 12,000. And that is, you're looking at 2012. We're sitting almost in 2022 now. It's December of 2021 and the Nifty touched 18,000 plus. There was no, uh, yeah, some sectors corrected themselves. So, you know, there were some ups and downs, but that always happens. That's what you have to expect in, in, in an economy that is scaling up. So I, I would firstly say that it's a beautiful time you know, for, for our country. And I think job creation is going to continue to do really well. But as you correctly asked in your question, you know, the, the nature of work is changing itself. And uh, you have to see that you know, there are many industries that have come up today that weren't around just yesterday. You know, if you look at the delivery and the logistics industry, the amount of change that has come in the last five years has been massive. And, you know, you, you have to understand that industries are constantly evolving. They're constantly changing. If you look 50 years ago, you know, there was no financial planning as an industry. You look 100 years ago, there were no coffee stores like Starbucks as an industry. There were no mobile phones. You know, so industries are taking birth all the time and ending all of the time. So it's important to understand what will help us prepare for how industries may evolve in the future is understanding business models, knowledge of business models and what business models can and cannot accommodate is going to be critical to continuing to create a compelling value proposition for customers in a particular industry and to be able to serve them for a profit. So, for example, we saw over the pandemic that the restaurant industry was hit really bad, you know, uh, because you could not physically go to a restaurant. But a lot of restaurants had it within their business model to become a cloud kitchen operator because they already had the kitchen equipment, they had the staff. Uh, they only needed to figure out the delivery piece. So, you know, as they did that, you know, they went from being a sit-down dining experience to being able to provide that food to you in your home. So the in industry had a business model that could accommodate that. Similarly, if you look at the education industry with what online has done, uh, you notice some very similar things. Uh, you look at uh, business collaboration. There was a time where, you know, professionals such as you and I used to get up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning call the taxi, 
tell the wife to make the breakfast, go to the airport, catch a flight to a different city, have a one hour meeting and then catch a flight and come back home. Today, all of that is done over Zoom and we wonder why we didn't explore that earlier. You know, uh, similarly, if you look at uh, the energy industry, you know, the move to renewable sources of energy, or you look at the automotive industry, you know, we are going from hydrocarbon fuels as a source to electric vehicles. So, you know, this is happening all of the time. What is important here is to understand the underlying business model. Can the business model accommodate this evolution or can it not accommodate this evolution? Because how you need to prepare yourself will be very different if the business model can accommodate it versus if it can't accommodate it. If it can accommodate it, then you're looking at things that may be adjacency, you know, uh, where changing a little bit may be able to give you a whole new value proposition. But if it cannot accommodate it, you need to fundamentally redesign the business model. And that's a very different set uh, of challenges. Both can be done. But the people who have command over such understanding are the ones who are going to be much better prepared as we walk into the future. Because the future, with all of its glory, it's a very bright future, but it can also be incredibly uncertain. See, the future is going, going to only unfold one second at a time for all of us. Uh, and those of us who continue to upskill ourselves, create that base of additional knowledge in ourselves, will be much better prepared to deal with the uncertainties and the opportunities and the promise of the future than those who don't. So this has been a great, great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom with our audience. And for everyone who is looking at getting in touch with Savan, uh, you know, I link up all the details in the description of this episode, including his website and, uh, you know, and social media profiles as well. You should definitely check out, uh, you know, the kind of content that he's creating. There's a lot that he shares, uh, you know, obviously on his YouTube, Instagram, and, uh, and to some extent on the website as well. I link all of that. And also, if you are someone who's looking at taking your career to the next level and want to go deep into this and maybe become, and become someone who, who really, you know, uh, go from these different stages that Savan mentioned, and you want to do it quickly, then, you know, uh, definitely do check out Savan's programs as well. I link them again on the description of this episode. Um, Savan, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a, such a pleasure having you and, uh, you know, and, and sharing your insight with the audience. Thank you, Vijay. It's been a pleasure ch chatting with you. I don't know where this hour plus has gone by. Lastly, I must congratulate you. I think you're, you're doing a fantastic job having created this wonderful podcast and a platform for you know people like me to come and, and have these conversations with you. So congratulations on the work that you do and thank you again for having me here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. As always, you will find all the links and resources to this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash one, two, five. Also, we now have the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. This is where you get to interact with me and other listeners of this podcast. Also, I share a ton of content there, like the book that I'm reading, the content I'm consuming, podcasts that I'm listening and so on. And also, you can share your feedback on making the show better. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. I look forward to seeing you at the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. <laughs>